Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Episode of the Ever Black Podcast is brought to you by Death Wish Hot Rods and Customs. Check out their Instagram for all their new t-shirts, caps, beanies, cups, and the all-new Atomic Death lineup. Bill. Hiya. How you going, mate? Doing all right. How about you? Yeah, really good, man. Yeah, really good. It's good to talk cool. to you again. It's been uh been a oh. little while. Hey, I think it was like last oh, was it last year? Before you were meant to come down for download, uh we had a bit of a chat. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot's happened since then. Well, Bill, the new carcass album Torn Arteries is out on September seventeen and man, this is a really great fucking album. I'm not gonna lie, I love this oh, album a lot. And uh I've been, yeah, I've been cranking it for a while, and it's been in the can for a while, but it obviously got pushed back, understandably, but uh, a week to go, man. It's not far. Yeah, it's going to be a massive relief for all of us <laughs> just to have this thing out there, you know, so we can move forward. Yeah, it's just it's been a strange time having this thing sitting sitting there on the shelf for a couple of years. Yeah, How, how far back do these songs go, though? How far after Sur- Surgical Steel did you start getting to work? Um. Some of them go back quite far to about hmm, 2015, maybe. Oh, wow. Um, it was around that period that Dan and I got together initially. Yeah, and we worked on a bunch of tunes. Um, and then the touring machine just kind of ground into gear again. And before you knew it, five years had passed. So we had a, kind of a, a load of material in storage. And then when Jeff was ready to to come along to rehearsals and get involved, then, you know, there was just a, suddenly a lot more momentum as there would be, you know, when, mm. you know, the front man and the lyricist yeah. is there. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, some of the material goes way back and some of it happens during those rehearsals. So that's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what year that would have been. Not too far up until we started recording. So I don't know where that was. Goodness, I've lost track of time. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's all happened. It seems like the last few years have just sped up. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit 40. But it's all, you know, it's, you know, it just happens. It just, I'll look back and I go, man, it just feels like Surgical Steel came out like two years ago and here, here we are, but it was quite a long time ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, people keep reminding me it's, it's about eight years now. So yeah, so that's crazy. nuts. It's crazy, dude. But we, we did have the, uh, Despicable EP to tide us over, which I think was pretty good, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it would have been frustrating to have that full album ready to go and then uh, have to hold it back, you know? It was a little bit frustrating, but uh, you know, we're all fairly realistic. And uh, it wasn't a huge shock when the label announced they were going to shelve it um, because they just feel a lot more confident if they could put out an album that can be supported by touring. We'd finished the thing whenever it was uh, the previous autumn, and we were expecting it to be released when, you know the release dates were already being pushed back a bit you know one minute spring the next minute summer but 
neither of those dates would have happened, of course, because the pandemic struck around March. We we were by no means the only band in this situation. Yeah, so right. um, you just had to be, be philosophical about it, especially when there were so many things of real gravity happening. This this seemed re- relatively minor, if I'm honest. Yeah, but I, I, it feels like the right time right now, don't you? That it's coming. Yeah, it, it probably is. Yeah, it probably is. Um, you know, it's best to be just accepting of these things. You know, when it's something that's beyond your control, you've got to be fatalistic. And uh, maybe this is a better time for people to hear the album than say two years ago. Um, we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> how how was it staying in touch with uh, the boys? over that last 12 months? How, how did you guys sort of keep it rolling, really, to, to this point? Yeah, we just message each other, really. Obviously, with the changing uh, restrictions in this country, we have been able to see each other on the odd occasion. Um, but, yeah, there were, there's, there were weeks and months going by there where you couldn't really do anything of substance. You couldn't travel, couldn't really socialise. So during that period, yeah, it would just be messages, you know. I think everyone kind of appreciated the break initially. You know, the first few weeks seemed to suit all of us quite nicely. It's only further down the line that it became more difficult, you know, mm. when you're sort of wondering if things will ever be normal again. Do you find that, you know, now, like, uh, you, you're able to make plans for the future with the album and stuff like that? No, I would say not because it's, everything is so vague. Um, uh. Live music is coming back in this country in a very, very gradual way, but that's predominantly outdoor festivals. So the indoor stuff isn't quite as certain right now. We've got one date in the diary um, <clears throat> for this year, and that would be up in Leeds at Damnation Festival, um, and that is an indoor venue. So, yeah, we're just hoping it works out. It'd be a nice way to break ourselves back into this. Absolutely, especially playing some of these live. I mean. This it's different. I mean, it's different from Surgical Steel in a lot of ways. It's got more groove. It's a bit rockier, you know. But it's got it's still all the mm. signature carcass stuff that you know uh, we love. You know, uh, what what drove that different direction this time? What sort of took it back to that sort of rocky sort of sound? Instinct predominantly. Um, it's not the type of group where we sit around a table and discuss these things. We just work with the music that that comes out. You know, I, I, if we have rehearsals books. I come in with some material and we start working on it, you know, looking at different arrangements. Yeah, I think the biggest factor in the way this record feels and sounds would be the touring we've done. Because half a decade out there, not just tours, but doing tons yeah. of festivals and, you know, various locations, um, that's a lot of stage work to have under your belts. And prior to Surgical Steel, we didn't have any, at least in terms of. Jeff and I had not played a gig with Dan. So that record is, you know, it's a pretty exciting vibe, I think, but it's a lot of uh, frantic energy, maybe a little bit unfocused in places. This one's got more in the way of dynamics just because those lessons you learn from the stage mm. are just going to make their way into the music with, without you even trying. The, t- the title, uh, I believe, it's also a bit of a nod to Ken. Ken Owen, is that right? Did he? Didn't he have a demo or something that that had that title? Where did it come yeah, from? it was sort of a demo. It, I mean, it certainly wasn't a studio recording. It was a very kind of crude tape he made um, using like I don't know. I mean, an acoustic guitar and books for drums, and he was screaming <laughs> into the condenser mic on one of one of these tape recorders. And I think from bouncing the tape, you know, 
with copying over to another machine or whatever, the whole thing became so distorted. It sounded um, like just something really insane. Uh, you would never guess that, you know, it, those weren't elect- wasn't electric guitars and there weren't real drums. It was just depraved. At least at the age of 15, I thought it sounded fantastic. <laughs> I haven't even heard it since then. The tape's long since gone missing. Oh, man, that's a shame. That's a shame. It's something I'd love to hear. Because I remember last time we spoke, you actually told me the title, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I love that title mm-hmm. so much, mate. It's so good. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I mean, Jeff, you know, Jeff was really insistent on it. There was a, a couple of other ideas floating around, which, in hindsight, just weren't very good. So, yeah, he got this this right first time, I think. And, and the song titles are, are a bit easier to pronounce compared to uh, a couple on Surgical Steel as well, and the real early stuff. You know, you've got you know. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've still have to sound out some of those uh, very slowly, like uh, on Reek, and uh, it's it's comical how bad I can uh, pronounce them. <laughs> I think that goes for most of us, in all truth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that's that's part of the fun for Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tested everybody. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, there, there's a humour there. There's was it uh, Eleanor Rigamortis. That's a, that's one of my mm. favorite titles. That's a great track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, some of the tracks take a, a bit more work. You know, you just don't feel like they're they're quite where they need to be. And this one, the main body of the track came together really quickly. You know, I had a, a large chunk of music, and then it was just the middle that kind of confounded us for a short while. But you know, <clears throat> the other guys are very good. At, you know giving another angle on an arrangement. Mm. So between the three of us, we, we sort of sorted that one out. So uh, also there's the longest song on here, which is one of your longest, like ever, Flesh Ripping Oh, it's Sonic. the longest song we've ever done, yeah. <laughs> Flesh Ripping Sonic Torment Limited, uh, which is almost mm. 10 minutes long, and it's bang smack in the middle of the record, which usually big ones mm. are left to, you know, to the end. Yeah, that was talked about and then eventually we came to the conclusion it would be a cop-out because firstly you do give people the opportunity to skip that track you know when it's the end of an album um so i guess we're making life hard for people if, if they find that song tedious it's it's pretty awkward because as you say it's it's right there in the middle of the album but hopefully most people won't um we spent a long time on this song just crafting it getting the way we wanted it it was always going to be a long track, but it, it just grew and grew. So, uh, Mate. yeah, once we put it down and looked at the, the time, it was like, crikey, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, 9.45 or something like that. I don't know. I love it. It's so good. It's one of my favorites. But yeah, I was like, man, that's a long track. So, I mean, was it, you just sort of let it go. You just sort of let it tell you how long it wanted to go for. Yeah, that, that would go for any track, really. But this one was always going to be longer because the piece of music I brought in <clears throat> initially was already quite long. Um, you'd have fairly substantial stretches of music before there'd be any repetition. So when you have that kind of setup, you just know that it's a different scale. Yeah. You know, sometimes with a shorter song, the repetitions happen earlier. You know, they're quite rapid, and this is the exact opposite of that. Well, uh, you, you, the album cover as well, uh, with the vegetable heart, it, it's like a brutal version of Ween's White Pepper. <laughs> Which I've heard it being described as. That's that's funny because uh, I mean that's not a band I'm familiar with, but I believe Jeff mentioned them in an interview. Yes, um, <laughs> somewhere. So you're you're the first person I've heard actually bring this up. I love Ween, so I was like, "Hey, man, mm. yeah, that's totally cool." But it's, visually, it's memorable. 
and all the promo tie-ins mm. for this thing have been awesome. Like you've got like the uh, was it like that rot filter on Instagram? Oh, the dinner set and the color changing oh, mug, yeah. <laughs> mate. You guys went absolutely all out. Did you just go to Nuclear Blast? Hey, we've just got a shit ton of crazy ideas. Let's do it. Well, no, I mean, I certainly can't claim any involvement <laughs> at all. Um, some some of this was kind of news to me when I started doing, you know, phone interviews several weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, so I was kind of learning as I went. Um, the plate thing, yeah, that was a big surprise to me, but it sounds funny. Um, I don't know if that was cooked up between Jeff and Nuclear Blast or, or if it was just their thing, but uh, I suppose it's something different, you know. Have you got one, though? No, I mean, I don't have a physical copy, as they say, of the <laughs> album at this stage, but uh, I guess at some point you know, I w- a little package might arrive. I would be demanding that dinner set and that colour-changing mug just for the collection. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us are going to insist on at least yeah, at least one each, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, Carcass have always done things a little differently, and, and years ago you did a remix of Bjork's Isabel, which I only recently mm. just discovered – um, and it's something I'd never expect, but it kind of worked. It was, it was really, really cool. Do you remember how that one came about? Um, yeah, vaguely. I think um, we had a guy doing you know, press for us. Um, I can't remember if, if um, we employed him privately or he went through the label, but there was this, this really you know, hardworking, kind of conscientious fellow who's doing press for us, and he'd noticed that, that Bjork had name-checked us in an interview, um, she, she, I think she liked, uh, was it Symphony's of Sickness or something like that. So I think he spotted an opportunity when he heard that she was getting remixes done by various people. You know, he put our name forward and they thought it'd be a cool idea. So, yeah, that was the last thing we did as a band. Um, you know, we'd wrapped up the recording that later became Swan Song. Yeah. But privately, we knew the band was just completely kaput. Um, so it was a little bit awkward doing that stuff. I don't have the fondest memories of it. I mean, I think Jeff was quite focused. You know, he knew what he wanted to achieve. I probably played a tiny bit, like a, you know, some of that chunky power chord type stuff. And then I think Carlo did everything else, the, the sort of harmony bits. Um, I've really not heard it since. I just, <laughs> I just didn't really enjoy the session, if I'm honest. Oh wow, wow, crazy. Going back to to the start of the band, uh, I guess did you did you have a job before Carcass? Did you? No, you... Well, I mean, you know, I left school at sixteen, so I mean, Carcass was. I mean, I was already playing in bands around that time, and I guess by the time I was seventeen, you know, I was doing Napalm and Carcass. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't experience um, the world of of real work until my mid twenties. Once Carcass had broken up, so that was quite an education. I mean. Looking back, it was long overdue, you know, because um, I just didn't have enough experience of, of the real world mm. and people, you know, because, I mean, if you'd just been in your little music bubble, only kind of hanging out with and dealing with people who like similar music, yeah, I mean, it's a very narrow view of the world. What, what if you don't mind me asking, what would you uh, end up doing? About everything you could possibly do that's low paid with low commitments. I mean, I didn't stick with any job for that long. Mm. Um, I think initially I was working for a wine merchant. That that went on for, uh, I don't know, how many, how many years? Uh, I think, and then, you know, there was odd things like taking Saturday jobs in secondhand record shops. Um, probably the best stuff I did in terms of 
something that was kind of rewarding would have been working with younger people with learning disabilities down in South London. That just, yeah, gave me a reality check, as it were. Um, it's very hard to feel sorry for yourself about your situation when you're around people who, who can't do many things themselves. Yes. Um, so that was a really good education. And then right before the band reformed, I think the last two or three years, I was working for my friend's company in, in his warehouse. Um, so I had a good situation there. If, if Firebird had a couple of gigs or a little tour somewhere, I just had to tell them and I could go. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I had a full-time job there and, and uh, that was actually loads of fun. I'm in that situation right now where my one of my best mates is my boss. And uh, if I've ever mm. got to do anything musical, like he's he's like, yeah, man, go for it. Where I've worked for people who are like, yeah, you can't That's do great. that. Yeah, I'm very lucky right now. Um, but man, mm. like I, I've been in the situation where, uh, where I've literally had someone say, "No, you you have to work. You you can't skip off early to go play a show," which pissed me right off. Yeah. But you know, it's like, hey, man, you learn from it, and you you. I guess I appreciate things, and I guess you would too. Like you you appreciate what you're doing a little bit more after you go through those little ups and downs, the battles. You definitely do, because if you have nothing to measure it against, you do start to take things for granted. And um, that's definitely what happened with me. And um, yeah, coming back to it, um, it was just easier to enjoy what we were doing, mm. you know, because I'd had those experiences in the outside world. So yeah, you kind of still take it seriously, but there's an element of fun that, that perhaps wasn't there as strongly, you know, when you were when you were a kid or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, and, and you were meant to come down here for download, as we mentioned before, um, but I was I was mm. lucky to see you guys uh, the last time you were down here in Australia in Brisbane. That was that was incredible. But is, is there any plans to come back at some stage to make up those shows? Well, it, it will entirely depend on the situation in our two countries. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd naturally want to get back there as soon as we could because that was pretty much the last place we were supposed to play before this kicked off. And there was even a, a few weeks of uncertainty, you know, where some of us were saying, "Look, this is going to get you know, it's going to get pulled," and others were saying, "No, no, it's definitely going to happen." You know, it got really near the knuckle there. But um, in some ways, we're probably quite lucky because I think the chances were, if we had made that journey, we would have been stranded for a while. Yeah, and that's—I mean, down in Australia, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have been too bad. But I mean, you probably want to go home. Oh no, I mean, <laughs> there are far worse places to be stranded. Sure, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it would—it's a long way from home. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It is. I, I've got mates that were uh, on tour in the states who literally played one show and then they had to haul ass back, or they would have been stuck over there. <laughs> and that's, that's yeah. It's crazy, crazy times, but uh, I'm definitely hoping we can we can see you guys again. Especially, you know, you've got all these uh, festivals and stuff coming up next year, I believe, too, right? Yeah, we do. I mean, that's a long way off. Um, it would be fantastic if it all happens, um, but there's still this uncertainty in the air right now. You know, to me, it will be a, a near miracle if we do this this thing in Leeds <clears throat> in November. Yeah, that would be a sure sign that that live music is really coming back. So yeah, it's good to be optimistic, but you can't help but keep a little bit p- part of you kind of cautious because of the, the number of U-turns we've seen from our government in this country. Thing, things are doing quite well at the moment. Things are remarkably close to normal in many ways, but you don't want to take it for granted. That's it, man. 
That's it. I mean, have you been okay over there yourself, personally? Yeah, I mean, I, I have absolutely nothing to complain about. I know people who have been quite ill with this stuff. Yeah. Um, but on the for the most part, um, I'd say the people I know tend to have had the virus and had practically no symptoms, you know. So, I mean, what else you got coming up apart from that musically? Are you jamming on anything at home or, uh, you know, working on any other projects? No, I mean, for me, this has been a time of reflection. Um, I mean, that's, or at least that's a very polite way of putting it. You could say just sheer laziness, really. Um, I just didn't feel any impetus to, to do anything creative once we were locked away. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like I started to realize most of my energy and inspiration gets from being, you know, happens from being around other people. You know, when I was cooped up here on my own for a few weeks, 10 weeks, whatever the hell it was, it, it really wasn't that difficult. Um, but, you know, I, and I was picking the guitar up pretty much every day, but that was just to play. You know, no expectations, no pressure on it. So those kind of impulses to to create and record, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely coming back now because the world's opening up. But for a few months there, yeah, I was just switched off in many ways and, um I just didn't want to beat myself up about it. I just figured one day it would be different. It's good to hear you getting back into it, though, bro. Like, uh, of mm. course, and hopefully, you know, uh, we'll see you soon. And the new album, Torn Arteries, which absolutely kicks ass, that comes out next week on September 17. Bill, yeah. it's always a pleasure talking to you, mate. It's always good hanging. And uh, hopefully we'll have oh, a yeah. beer soon. Thanks, Nev. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Cheers, man. Thanks, mate. Bye. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 